Listening to the weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. The following message was recorded live from our sanctuary. Our prayer is that this message would nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you as you listen. See my bleeding dying. Thank you, Dorm, for that. And everyone who's in this congregation who's active duty, guard reserves, appreciates you all support too um, as we serve. Today's scripture reading can be found in the Gospel of John, chapter 1. If you're using the Blue Pew Bible, it can be found on page 886. John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 13. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through Him, and without Him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. He came as a witness to bear witness about the light, that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which enlightens everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the light was made through him. Yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. The word of the Lord. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, open up our hearts to your word, to receive this word, to receive the Lord Jesus Christ, Lord, to receive the light. We ask it in his name. Amen. This opening illustration has nothing to do with the sermon, but uh, just an anecdote. Uh, David flew a C-130. I don't know if Walt and Lauren Jones know this, but... When you all, do you all know that at the game? Okay, you did. I, I thought I'd let you know. But they flew the C-130 to the Auburn Ole Miss game where Ole Miss beat Auburn. Yay. Um, <clears throat> I'm just, I'm from Alabama. Okay. Um, so, but uh, he flew the C-130 that dropped, parach- the guys parachuted into the stadium. And then by the, that was before the game. And then by halftime, David got to attend the game, has pictures and everything. But that was kind of cool that two of our members were at the game and another member was dropping people down from the, <laughs> yeah, we're everywhere. <laughs> oh, God. Two things from this uh, passage. Do not miss John's witness and do not refuse the light. This is uh, what John is telling us in this passage that really interrupts, in a sense, his describing uh, the word. Then suddenly he comes to the witness of the word. And the point is not to miss John's witness. 
He witnesses to the uniqueness of the light because he says several times he was not the light. He gave witness to the light. Even someone as great as John, who was the greatest prophet, Jesus says, ever, was not the light, just a witness to it. If food is being distributed to a starving people and it's located in a building in a particular room and all the signs tell you where the food is, the signs are not the food. (laughs) The food is the food. And John was pointing to the light, pointing to the only light. There is no other. We trust in no man. We trust in nothing else but Jesus Christ, the unique light from God. John was simply the witness. But this also not only points to the uniqueness, but the importance of this light. Just the fact that there is a witness, this interruption, shows the importance of it. He could have gone from verse 5 straight to verse 9, talking about the true light. But he he has this, it seems like a sidetrack, but it's right embedded in the revealing of Christ. It cannot be separated So even as John announces the light, it comes with a witness. All the more to say, this light cannot be ignored. Now, for a regular low-end, run-of-the-mill phone, there's no advertisement. There's no notice. You just happen to see it at the store and say, yeah, well, with 35 bucks, you can get this one. And, oh, okay, I'll save money and do that. But you remember what led up to June 29? This little thing was in somebody's hand and it says, this is how you turn it on. Now this is your music and you're just stunned as they're leafing through CDs by their hand touching a screen. And then this is your music, pop, 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 pop. This is your email. And then suddenly email. This is the web. And you're just, your mouth's hanging open. And then, and this, ring, is a call on your iPhone. (laughs) I'm going to get one. No, I can't afford it. (laughs) But you see, it was a witness. A witness because of the... This was landmark. This was changing the whole world of iPhones. And so, witness after witness after witness, you won't believe what's coming. And that's the point the witness. He's, it's used three times that he is a witness. It shows the importance of the light. It puts more focus on the light. Do not miss this light. And so when he picks up talking about the light in verse 9, it comes with this added force and momentum of John's ministry behind it. And of course, this witness is for you and me. There's never been anyone or anything like this one who is coming Do not miss it. God, it says, sent John as a witness to underscore the nature of this glorious one who came. So do not miss John's witness and do not refuse the light. In these verses 9 through 11, he underscores the ultimate tragedy of refusing Christ. He repeats that the Word made the world, he says there in verse 10. It is His world, but the world did not receive Him. Not because He is a stranger, but because the world is estranged from Him. Estranged from its own origin. John is almost shaking at this point with the emotion about this. As Ritterboss says, the world should have known him. 
The world doesn't know its own maker. This is the resistance of the creature against the creator of humankind, against even its own redemption. And yet that is the description of every one of us by nature. John is warning us that we not walk in those footsteps. And then he says he came to his own. He came to his own and his own people did not receive him. They were adopted as God's own possession, but they would not receive him as a welcomed guest. It's the people of Israel against its own God who has come. Those who belonged to him, those he had redeemed in Egypt and led through the Red Sea and bore up on eagles' wings in the desert, who gave them manna and water in the desert, who brought them into the land of Canaan, who came to rescue them over and over again. He came to them. He came to them in the flesh and they did not receive him. When it says he came to its own, it's the same word, the same phrase used in John 19, 27, when he says to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own house, to his home. So the idea is he came home. He came home. And those at home would not receive him. Ritterboss says, here the prologue reaches its low point. And as of yet, in the first reading of John, we don't know how this word came into the world and to his own. This comes in verse 14. The word became flesh. But right now, the drama is the main thing. Even the incarnation itself is a bit in the background while center stage, this atrocity stains the history, our history. He came and we did not know him. We did not receive him. And don't think, oh, it was those Jews. No, this is a Jew who's writing. (laughs) This is a Jew who's writing. We wouldn't know it unless the Jews had made it known to us, these believing Jews. John is revealing the human heart, yours and mine by nature. Even when we human beings have great privilege and are brought near to God, we are in danger of abusing that privilege to the greatest degree. And John is already asking the question, what will you do with the privilege of hearing about Jesus Christ? That's the question. What will you do? Look what happened. What will you do and be? And really, there is no other ultimate tragedy in this world, as many terrible tragedies as there are, but this one, that any of us would reject This God who goes to such a limit to rescue us and do us good. Nothing could be worse. We could sink no lower than this. Even Jesus said, it would be better for Sodom and Gomorrah than for some of the cities that rejected Christ. In other words, it's better for Sodom and Gomorrah, that seedbed of violence and sexual sin. It's better to be a part of that than to have heard and learned of Jesus Christ and rejected him. And for John, this more or less defined his coming and the reaction. This was the basic reaction. You see, he said he came into the world. His own his world did not know him. He came to his own. They did not receive him. And you might think, well, that's a negative way to start. You're starting with, I present to you a rejected Savior. One who is largely 
they turned away from him. But the question is, will you stay a part of the world? Will you run with the crowd? Will you know him or will you reject him even as his own people rejected him? And really, it's almost the opposite. Instead of seeing a refused one, it encourages us to think, as, Paul, as, as John is saying virtually, look, before I go further, let me say that so many did not see, so many did not receive. Will you be one of them? Will you be one of them? Will you, will you do this same thing? To hear about this one and reject him? So this is powerful. It's strong right in the beginning as he's speaking about the word. He talks about John's witness and the rejection of Christ. Because what John goes on to say, of course, and, and his whole, the whole context of this is, even though his own people refused him, I say he is the Christ, the Son of God. I'm going to lay out his glory through all the signs and teaching, and I'm challenging you to believe in him. And he shows in many places the ridiculousness, the foolishness of not believing in him. And we're in chapter 9, a blind man sees. And then the Pharisees are debating with the blind man about the reality of his even seeing. And of Jesus being involved in healing him. The Pharisees would not receive him even when a man born blind is looking them in the eye. John writes at the end, Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples which are not written in this book, but these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in His name. So this prologue comes with a warning. Many have not believed. It's a terrible thing. It's unimaginable that they wouldn't have, but they didn't. What about you? And so the question, do you know him? Have you received him? It says in verses 12 and 13, to those who did receive him, he gave the right to become the children of God. There were many who did receive him. And remember, to know him does not just mean to know about him. It implies a relationship. A relationship with this word who was with God, who made the world. To, to the one who is the light for all mankind who's come into the world. And to know him, in the, as the Bible teaches, is to be joined to him and to participate in his life. It means to depend on him and to draw from his unlimited resources for a changed life. To abide in him and fellowship with him. He will restore us to God. He restores a clean conscience to us. He restores us in our integrity and responsibility. He restores us to love and peace and joy. He restores relationships. He restores purity. He restores purpose. He restores hope. He says in John 10.10, I came that they might have life and have it more abundantly. You see, life means a life changed and changing. Changed and changing. A life different. A life growing and transforming. A life manifesting love more and more boldly and more beautifully in more and more ways. A life that is conformed more and more to Christ Himself. He is the light shining into our darkness. 
Do you know Jesus Christ? Have you come to trust in Him? Have you put your life in His hands? He is the one who... The Word goes on to, of course, describe how He gave Himself on the cross, how He died in the place of sinners, how He's paid for sin. He's borne the wrath of God for sin for anyone who will trust in Him. You can be forgiven today. You can begin to have a clean conscience today, trusting in the one God has sent to save you from your sins, to bear your punishment so that you have only God's favor because Christ has taken away all of your sin. He is there to be known. John the Baptist and John the uh, Apostle are just messengers pointing you to Christ. But I want you to know that these messengers, even in a feeble way, this messenger, it's all because the Lord Jesus Christ is seeking you out. Isn't that amazing? That the Lord Jesus Christ seeks each one of you personally to say, I'm the Word, I am light, I am life. I, can, I will give you forgiveness. I will restore you to God. I will be with you and transform your life and your relationships continually in the midst of difficulty. Will you have me? Will you have me? And the wonderful thing is, even if you have rejected him many, many times, think of Peter denying him on the night of his betrayal. Think of Paul persecuting him. He had rejected him fully and completely. And many people can give testimony to years of rejecting Christ and suddenly the light breaks in. Would you begin with this prayer at least if you're struggling with this? In John 6 verse 44 it says, No one can come to Him unless the Father draws Him. And you may say, Look, I just don't have any capacity. I don't want to. I don't have desire. I'm not sure if I can. All of that. You can begin by saying, Oh, Father, draw me. Draw me. Remove obstacles in my life. Remove anything that would keep me from believing in you. Oh, Lord, draw me after yourself that I may receive you and rest in you for forgiveness. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, enable us to receive you, to embrace you and depend on you and trust you, to entrust ourselves to you. Oh, Lord, enable us to begin to admire and adore you, to honor you and praise you. Enable us, Lord, as we receive you, then to submit to you and obey you, to adopt your purposes and your mission. Oh, Lord, enable us to bow before you and call you Lord and Master and give you the full allegiance of our lives, even the baby steps of that, even the beginning of that. Oh, Lord, draw us after yourself that we may receive Jesus Christ as our Savior and Lord. We ask this, Lord, for any here who do not know you, that now you would draw them, and that maybe for the first time this morning, they would leave the ranks of those who have rejected Christ and they will become a part of those who have received the Savior of the world. Bless them, Lord. Grant them faith in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to this weekly podcast from Fort Worth Presbyterian. 
Our prayer is that this message was able to nurture a joy for loving God and loving people in you. Please visit our website for worship service times, directions to the church, and to subscribe to this podcast. Our web address is fortworthpca.org. Fort Worth Presbyterian is a part of the Presbyterian Church in America. Jesus, my Lord, my life, my light, oh, come with blissful rain, break radiant through the shades of night, and chase my fears away. Won't you chase my fears away? Then shall my soul with rapture trace the wonders of thy love.